This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 14. Today we find out who the three finalists are in our Zebra Spring Furniture Flip. Host Jen Talley with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture shares a little about each of the finalist pieces and we tell you how you get to help choose the winner. We have a great conversation with the winners of the March Zebra Review and they chat about negotiating pricing in our panel discussion. Jeannie with Flush Finish shares a great tip on how to take your stained finishes to the next level. Laura with Redeemed Heartwood, Nicole with Third and Fifth Furniture Co., and Angie with A Nurtured Nest share what they are working on in their studios this week. On the beginner's bucket, Walesa with A Life Refurbished answers this week's question, how many pieces should you have on hand when refinishing as a business? Taylor with New Iterations receives accolades this week from a fellow refinisher, Jenna Lee, with J. Lee Refinishings. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. All of the hard work of flipping pieces from ugly ducklings to beautiful swans has come to a close in our second annual Spring Zebra Furniture Flip. And today we have host Jen with Perfectly Imperfect Furniture here with us to announce our three finalists. Jen, thanks for all your hard work of encouraging, promoting, and of course, choosing the three finalists. Oh, of course, Lane. It was. It, it's always a hard job because there's always so many you know beautiful entries but it's always a fun job because as i was scrolling through um the hashtag i'm just you know continuously impressed and um smiling from ear to ear just so proud of everybody that was able to participate and complete their projects this time around well you know oftentimes with competitions in an industry you can see trends develop any noteworthy observations from this year's flip One trend that I definitely noticed was texture. And I think that that's that's been an ongoing trend, I think, kind of carried through even from last year. But I definitely saw, um, I don't know if you remember one of our finalists from the last flip who did the cedar chest and added that kind of herringbone texture. Um, I think that caught on. I think that caught on because there were several artists that did that or something similar to that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very smart because a lot of times when you find an ugly duckling piece of furniture, they're going to be in bad shape. Well, what's one way to fix that or cover it up Mm -hmm. um, without having to, you know, grind your, grind off your fingerprints by (laughs) sanding or, you know, or stripping for days and days and days. Hey, let's, cover it up with something else that looks really cool. So I thought that was a smart move by a lot of our contestants. Yeah, really clever and creative solutions. Well, we're going to announce, uh, have you announce here shortly, the three finalists, but I wanted to thank our sponsors for partnering with us for this spring furniture flip. And our sponsors are Melage Paints, Mud Paint, Chateau Interiors Milk Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paint Brushes. It's quite the bundle of prizes, totaling over $450 to the winner and over $250 worth of prizes to the two remaining finalists. As a reminder, today at noon Eastern Standard Time, you'll be able to go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the Furniture Flip tab and go and vote for your favorite flip finalist. Voting will be open until midnight Eastern Standard Time on Monday, May 30th. And on June 1st here on the podcast, we'll announce the winner of the Zebra Spring Furniture Flip. Okay, Jen, let's announce your finalist in no particular order. Drum roll, please. 
Okay, the first one is Nicole from Restoration Design Co. Number two, we have Kelsey from Mini Furniture Flip. And finally, Summer at Pinewood Charm. Uh, that's exciting, Jen. Hey, tell us a little bit about each one and give us a little bit of a description of the before and after from the ugly duckling to the beautiful swan. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with Nicole. She uh, transformed your grandmother's dated bar cart into something (laughs) that looks like it should be in a high-end apartment in New York City. It's incredible. If you look at the before picture of her bar cart, it almost looks like an ugly, it, it almost has the shape of a duck itself because it has these big, huge, like, caster wheels on it that are like not appropriate for the the piece at all i don't know if they were original or not but just and then it has the the top of it kind of folds down on either side so it kind of looks like you know the duck wings and the duck feet it is it's so ugly it is so so ugly honestly if i would have seen that at a rummage sale for five dollars there's no way um but what nicole I want, I was just going to say, I wonder how many people tripped on that on those feet when they went up to get I, a drink. <laughs> I know, right? They're so, they're just so big, and they just stand out so much. And it's just like this is, this is very weird. You know, the the hardware on that piece is dated. It's just, it's ugly. It's ugly, and it's something that I probably would have passed right by. So, um, what Nicole did to it was completely modernized it. Like I said, it's it's bold. It's, um it's just it's out there and it looks like it's it could be something that could sell for you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars that somebody in a fancy apartment would just love i think they would be shocked if they bought that piece and then saw what it looked like before so she did an amazing job yeah agreed 100 percent. and i love how she opened it up uh with those shelves and yeah she just and i love the way you just described it because it does look like it should belong in a penthouse, you know, or an upper Mm -hmm. end apartment. So it's really nice. Yeah, very cool. Um, The next one is Kelsey at Mini Furniture Flip. And my gosh, I can't even, like that piece had so much going on um, that I couldn't, like I know I kept saying throughout this process that, you know, we're looking for pieces that are, are born ugly. But this one had so much going on that I could not tell. I literally could not tell if it was born ugly or not because it was just um, a, a, a sight to be seen. It was like this, <laughs> uh, like a, almost like a psychedelic reaction to it. Like, what am I even looking at here? It made me dizzy. Um, I think I read in her post that it that it had at least seven layers of paint that she could count. It had stickers uh, um, of like, you know, kind of creepy stickers of kids, you know, cartoons uh, like SpongeBob and Peppa Pig. And then it had some sort of like, you know, splattering all Mm -hmm. over it. And it was just like, again, it it scared me. It scared me to the point that I would run, (laughs) not walk away from that piece. So what she did to it, kind of like what I was talking about, at the beginning of our conversation, she did something very smart and did use that kind of herringbone texture on the front of the drawers. And wow, I mean, it, you can't even tell it's the same piece. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
again, I think if somebody um, bought that piece, I think it's worth, you know, several hundred dollars if someone bought that. And then she was like, hey, here's what it looked, here's what it looked like a couple months ago. I think their jaw would drop. So it was very, very cool. Yeah. Well, as bad as that piece looked, hopefully, uh, I don't recall reading about that, but hopefully she got it for free. <laughs> I mean, cause that's rough. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if she said or not. So hopefully she'll, hopefully she'll share with us because yeah, I don't think I would, I don't think, you know, you might have to pay me to take that piece. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, and then finally, we have Summer at Pinewood Charm and what she did. Oh my gosh, the piece is absolutely unrecognizable from um, from the beginning, you know, from the Ugly Duckling. I think this is one of the reasons um, what she did is kind of, it's always kind of been in the back of my head, like that to me is what an Ugly Duckling to Beautiful Swan transformation is, is when you take something that has this certain look and you make it into something that, you know, nobody would ever believe that that's what it looked like before. And, you know, what I mean by that specifically with this piece is like when you see her after, it looks like this, like, you know, rustic kind of apothecary style dresser. And then if you go and look at the before, it's like that is not at all <laughs> what that piece <laughs> was or was meant to be. That was a very much, you know, dated um I don't even know if I would call that piece mid-century. Those pieces are so hard for me to date because I feel like they're somewhere in between like mid-century and like early 80s. You know what yeah. I mean? Where it's yeah. just like really chunky detail. Um, it just, it was very, very busy, very gaudy, very chunky. And um, and what she made out of it is something that, you know, those people who love that rustic old world um, apothecary style decor would love to have in their home. And again, they wouldn't believe that that's the style or that's the type of dresser that it started out as. Yeah, it's funny because it's almost like, uh, like you were talking about hard to define the style. And it probably is because maybe it was coming out of the mid-century going into the 80s. And there was such a like trying to find a new style. And so it's such a blending that oftentimes, you know doesn't always work and i think that's evident of that but yeah i love uh what she did with that i think what's so what's so cool about these is all three of these require tremendous vision as well as all of the participants it takes vision to take something that's quite ugly and transform it into something beautiful so i mean just congratulations to kelsey summer and nicole um, your ugly, tran ugly transformations were incredible. We also want to thank all participants in the Spring Zebra Furniture Flip. Uh, the these particular events are extra fun because we get to see the refinishing process transform before our eyes. We see the challenges that many of you face, oftentimes unexpectedly, as well as how you overcome them. And that is inspiring to the entire community. So thank you for participating. You bring a tremendous amount of energy to the community, and that is good for everyone. And Jen, thank you once again for all your efforts into promoting this event, the community. You are a gem. We value you very, very much. And I think that's evident from all the responses you get. Yes, of course. It's It's been my pleasure. It's been so much fun. And I, I like I said, I am impressed and proud and just so happy Um for everybody that participated in this, in the, the flip this time, it's been, it's been amazing. Well, remember to go vote friends. Don't put it off because the voting is only open from today through next Monday. And congratulations again to our three finalists. Terrific job.
And remember, stay tuned to next week's podcast, June 1st, as we will announce the winner of the Zebra Spring Furniture Flip. Today, we are chatting with the three winners from our March Zebra Review. Yikes. Man, did we just say March? Time flies, doesn't it? Hard to believe we're already in May. Our March theme was the Zebra Review Judges Colors, which provided an array of beautiful colors to choose from. Our winners are as follows. Ava with Ecosterno winning first. Casey with Magnolia Martin Designs winning second. And Jim with Jenny Ray Designs winning third. Well, congratulations, winners. Your colors were beautiful, and you made our judges and hopefully yourselves quite proud. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we want to learn a little more about each of you, so let's find out where you live. And, of course, as you guys know, get a weather report. So we'll start with Jen. Let's let's talk about New Hampshire, Jen. That's where, it's where you're from, or is that's where you live? I am. I am in New Hampshire. I live in New Hampshire. I'm originally from Washington State, but live in New Hampshire, yes. Wow. So you made quite the trek from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast. Now, how long have you been living in New I Hampshire? I did. I have been in New Hampshire since 1995, but um, home is Washington to me. It always will be. Really? Yes. Yeah, so do you still have family out there? I do. The funny thing is all three of my children were raised in New Hampshire, and all three of them have moved to Washington State. Really? Boy, that says a lot about yes. Washington, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, Jen, I'm also from Washington State. You are? Where? Yeah. Um, I, well, let's see. My husband and I are from Enumclaw, Washington. Oh, my goodness. I'm from Eastern Washington. My sister is in Spokane, and I actually um, went to like 10 years of school in Ellensburg. Wow. Small world. Yeah. All of our family's still back there, too. Yeah. It's, it's the best place to visit. It really is. Yeah. We're actually headed up there in just a few weeks. Oh, fun. I just got back last weekend. Yep. Yeah. Oh, cool. Now, that's, that's such a cool fact. Now, Jen, do you see yourself like eventually moving back to Washington? Would love to, but I married a Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty grounded up north. Then, huh? <laughs> yes, yes, he wow. is. And his children live here. So, yeah, I've been here a long time. Oh, so. I gotcha. So, okay, so put it in context for us, New Hampshire. Like, where are you in New Hampshire? Where am I in New Hampshire? I'm yeah. in southern New Hampshire on the Massachusetts border. Okay, so how far are you to, like, Boston? A probably 50-minute drive. Oh, nice. Do you guys Less ever go into hour. the city? Once in a while, yeah. For the last couple of years, not so much, but once in a while, sure. Yeah, of course, Concerts, yeah. 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 How about, do you sell pieces to folks in uh, Boston or is that a little too far away? I haven't yet, but a lot of north of North Massachusetts. I do get mm -hmm. a lot of business there. Yes. So are you guys enjoying some warmer weather yet? Warmer weather. So uh, five days ago, I went out for a walk in the morning. It was 37 degrees. I wore my winter coat and Saturday it was 90 degrees. No way, 90 already. It's crazy weather here. It's It was super hot this morning, and now we're having a thunderstorm. So crazy spring weather in New England. Oh, my goodness. I never expected to hear 90 up there right now. I know. Yeah. I know. 
Yeah, we're, we're supposed to hit 90 for the first time, I think, later in the week, and then it jumps back into the 80s, and then I think there's still some 70s. We tend to teeter-totter this time of year from 70s up to the 90s, and then all of a sudden it locks in, yes. and then you better appreciate the 90s because it's here to stay for a while. My goodness. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, Casey, I appreciate you sharing that uh, you were from or you were from Washington. That's a very, very cool uh, fact to know. So, but you're living in Kentucky now. Yes, we are in um, Union, Kentucky, which is northern Kentucky. We're only, I don't know, I would say twenty minutes from downtown Cincinnati. Are you considered in the country, or are you more like in the like are you in a neighborhood? Um, we're like in the suburbs. I would say we. Um, you go like 10 minutes south from us and it's like the country and people have southern accents and you go 10 minutes north of us and it's considered like ohio suburbs oh, that's it's quite the uh the storm isn't it <laughs> from... yeah it is it's a really interesting area wow. yeah and then us being from the pacific northwest like it's kind of all new to us down here yeah so how long have you been living in kentucky um, about four and a half years. Okay, so that's that's a good little bit. Um, so, do you see yourself uh, eventually going back to Washington? It sounds like you really like it. Um, we would love to, but uh, you know, it's just kind of hard up there right now. I mean, the housing market up there is one of the craziest in the country, I think. Mm. And um, my what my husband does, there's not a lot of opportunity for that up there. So mm-hmm. it's kind of how we ended up out here in Kentucky. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully he's doing well and flourishing in that part of the country. Um, and you said 20 minutes to Cincinnati. That that must be nice. I mean, because that's pretty close to a bigger city. Yeah, it is. It's very nice. We enjoy it. We enjoy feeling like we live out in the country, but having pretty much everything um, close by. Yeah. Uh, the the funny thing is, is I actually only live about 15 um, minutes from Emily with 1379 Design. Oh, wow. Do you guys ever get to meet up? Oh, yeah, definitely. She's running Motley Home now, and I'm one of her furniture vendors there. Really? That is so yep. cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, she, yeah, we love Emily. She is extremely talented as well. Um, she's just Yeah, phenomenal. she's pretty amazing. Well, it's fun to live that close to people within the same industry and the same IG community because so often you get to know folks really well, but you don't really get to meet up with them. So that's nice mm-hmm. that you guys can uh, meet up. And, of course, you're taking... Well, and I'm actually only about 40 minutes north of <clears throat> Sarah with Sitting Pretty. Yeah, yeah. That's a, another great refinisher. She's, uh, of course, one of the judges here on the Zebra Review. So that's excellent, too. Boy, she's got a really beautiful place, doesn't she? It's been a lot of fun seeing her refinish it. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And she's she's got a really great eye. Yep, she does. Now, weather-wise, what are you guys experiencing right now? Um, we just had an amazing mid 80 degree week and then some thunder showers coming through, but we're still up in the high seventies. So our summer's hit here. Yeah. Well, just, you know, the seventies aren't too bad as long as you can hang there for a while. Do you guys usually get uh, high humidity there in Kentucky? Yes. I would say it's not as bad farther South, um, in a lot of those places, but it's definitely, it's hard for me to say because we don't get really hardly any humidity up in Washington. So for us, this is high humidity, but we've gone farther South and it's definitely not as bad as it is um, farther South. Right. Right. It is um, pretty challenging when you get down, especially into Georgia and Florida, that's where you get the 
the extreme humidity. I mean, we have, and I've mentioned this before in the podcast, we have it here in North Carolina, but at least we get some breaks periodically, especially in the middle of summer. Well, Ava, location and weather for us. I don't believe you're in North America, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm pretty far away. No, but I live in, in Uppsala in Sweden. So I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's in the northern parts of Europe. I actually checked to to see, I mean, if um, where it would be sort of in North America, it would relate to Anchorage in Alaska, that okay. latitude. Uh-huh. So it's pretty far north. Yeah. And you uh, you said you're in, uh, is it Uppsala? Mm-hmm, Uppsala. Where, what is, where is that related to some of the bigger cities in Sweden? Uh, well, it's uh, about an hour north of Stockholm, which is the capital. Uh, Uppsala is the fourth biggest city, so it's it's not that small, but um, it's um, sort of halfway down south in Sweden. Sweden is pretty like tall uh-huh. <laughs> as a country. Yeah, yeah very long. Uh, yeah, yeah, long. So um, it's pretty, yeah, pretty much in the south, southern region. So, what kind of weather do you guys have? Um, we have had sunny, dry weather lately. It's a it's uh, in the high 50s daytime, but it's still pretty cold at night, like almost freezing, low 30s. So mm-hmm. it's, it's still pretty cold, but it's uh, it's getting there. We are in the season now where apple trees and cherry trees are in bloom. So it's really mm-hmm. pretty. Yeah, Everything beautiful. is getting green. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, you know, just the process of purchasing furniture. And at least here in North America, we have, you know, um, the uh, estate sales and there's different, uh, you know, like restores where you go into locations and search for furniture. And and then, of course, Facebook Marketplace. But uh, is, is it any different there in Sweden? I mean, same basic ways to purchase uh, ref, uh, refinish or furniture for refinishing? Yeah, I would say so. We have estate sales. Uh, we are quite a lot of uh, online auctions as well. Uh, people rely pretty much on that, but we have a uh, Facebook marketplace, Goodwill, Habitat, similar type of stores yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just mentioned online auctions, uh, Casey and Jen, are you guys, do you guys take advantage of those as well? Oh yeah. You know, um, we actually have a online auction close by us that's called like resettled life and it's not estate sales. It's people that are like moving out of their house and trying to declutter and stuff like that. And I do use that quite a bit because everything starts at $1 and um, it's usually nice stuff. They just don't want to like, you know, hollow to Florida kind of thing. Yeah. I would love that. I wish we had something like that around here. I have not done any sort of um, online, that type of thing, just marketplace. I know that uh, at least I think, I think there's been a lot more online auctions that came out of the pandemic just to, make it more accessible for folks. And I think a lot of those are probably here to stay, uh, even though some of the regular uh, auctions and estate sales are still going on. But uh, I think they found that it's you know convenient and uh, it is a, is a nice option. Listeners, stay tuned because after we discuss their pieces, we're going to have a panel discussion on negotiating pricing for your furniture buys. Also, you can see the pieces we're discussing by going to our enjoyzebra.com site and scroll to the bottom and click on podcast. 
Well, we love highlighting winners from our contest here on Zebras Before and After. It's an opportunity to give recognition to those that have achieved noteworthy success. And as we all know, we grow by learning from others and hearing the details of how refinishers create these award-winning pieces, giving you the opportunity to glean from them. Let's start with Ava. Ava, you won first place with your beautiful green piece. I don't know, was that a wash stand? I don't know if I'm classifying that property, but I'll let you go ahead and tell us about it and describe the process for us. Oh, thank you so much. Um, well, actually, it uh, used to be or is a, a wood bin. Uh, I would say um, like a, a store for wood uh, to use in a wood burning stove or a tile yeah. stove back mm-hmm. in the 19th century. So uh, actually, it looks more like uh, like a cabinet or, or, or something like that. But uh, everything at the front uh, is just a foe. So there are no no drawer or no doors. So uh, the only access you have to it is from the, the lid. So you open it up with hinges at the back, like a chest. And you said this is to use to store wood. Yeah. What a beautiful piece to store wood. Man, that's incredible. That's just such a lovely piece. It's unusual. I mean, most of them that you find here in Sweden would be simpler, but I suppose they try to make it into something looking like, more, like you said, like more like a nicer piece. Yeah. yeah. But it's really rustic. Wow. Yeah, it's really pretty. Now, did you, uh, was this a commission piece or did you buy this to sell? I bought this. Actually, I bought it to keep, to keep it myself. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. But <laughs> initially, yeah. So... But now, now I've decided to, <laughs> I changed my mind, yeah. Yeah, that was my uh-oh. So does that mean it's up for sale or you've already sold it? Uh, it's up for sale. Gotcha. Now, did you have to do much structural work to this piece? Actually not. No, not really. There were some wormholes and, and uh, some wear and tear from, from usage, but I've left quite a lot of it to to keep the sort of, yeah, the worn look of it, but yeah. but I, I yeah I replaced the hinges. They were broken, small things like that. But mm-hmm. otherwise, it was in good condition. Wow, excellent. Well, Casey and Jen, you have any questions for Ava? You answered the one question I had. I did read that the lid came off, and so I was very curious what the cabinet was. But you did answer that question. That is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how it almost looks like you have um, like shading going on on your finish. And I was curious kind of what technique you use to do that. Uh, well, f- first the piece is, is painted in, in milk paint uh, and then I've sealed it with hemp oil. And then I actually added some dark wax to highlight the distressed areas. It turned out beautiful. Thank you. Yes, yes it did. Ava, what did you find to be the hardest part of refinishing when it came to this piece? Uh, I would say probably and you now just finding good uh, replacement hinges because the, the old uh, yeah I had to rebuild it a bit mm-hmm. because I couldn't find anything similar to what was there previously. Gotcha. Well, if you would describe your style for us, generally speaking, when it comes to furniture refinishing. Oh, well, that's difficult. I think uh, colorful would be one thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I really have a style, but I, I'm really drawn to towards antique Scandinavian pieces. Mm-hmm. I rarely do MCMs or more modern pieces, and I really like colors. I think yeah. oh, you do a beautiful job. Well, you. you did a phenomenal job on this piece, Ava. Congratulations! If you would share your Instagram account with our listeners so they can follow you if they aren't already. 
My Instagram is Ekestana, which is spelled E-K-E-S-T-E-R-N-A. Great. Thank you so much. Casey, you won second place. I understand you sold this piece from a sneak piece post. I did, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I know. It was the first time I've had that happen, actually. Um, I actually sold it not even from the sneak peek post online. It was sent to a friend asking an opinion on um, my lighting, and they were loved it so much. They asked me how much I was selling for and bought it before I even posted it. Oh, wow. That's so cool. So tell us all about it, because in my mind, it's a pretty unique-looking desk and really love the color choices that you chose for this from the inside to the outside. So give us some details. Well, thank you. Um, it was actually a desk bottom with a hutch top and I removed the top from it. And there was a tag that said it was a antique replica and it was a hundred percent mahogany. So I had a lot of bleed through issues with it, but once I got those under control, I was able to get the nice light color out of it. And this was one of those few pieces I just, I didn't really put a lot of thought into, which isn't normal for me. I had some paint that I needed to use and the blue on the inside is one of my favorite colors. And when it was one of the judges colors, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to use it. And the outside color, I happened to have a whole can of, so I thought I'd give it a try. And I think it was just kind of a happy accident. Wow. Yeah. I believe that color, if I'm not mistaken, was Sarah Bolton's color that she had submitted as one of yes. her favorite colors. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really nice. Well, Ava and Jen, questions for Casey? Well, I was just wondering, uh, the interior, uh, how you refinished it. Did you disassemble it entirely or did you paint with brush or spray? It look, looks so flawless. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, that one would not allow me to take the interior parts out. Uh, it was built into it, so I had to spray it. Okay. Um, and it's like, yeah, just a lot of coat, really small, even coats and then laying it on different sides. So everything I sprayed, um, would be laying flat so I wouldn't get drips and then I would flip it again so I could lay, spray the next section and then lay that flat so it wouldn't drip. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of work, but, um, it, it's hard to get in there with a sander if you get drips on anything. So it makes it actually easier that way. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I don't have a question, but just a comment. And I'm reiterating what um, Lane said. I had a note written here before we started that the color combination is just beautiful. I love that. Thank you. I I was pretty excited about how it turned out as well. That's just such a soft contrast. I had bought that paint color, I believe, for something else. And then um, when I decided to use the blue on the interior, I just figured I'd go for it and see how it turned out. It turned out so beautifully. I know. I I think it's one of those things. It's like I expected you to say, well, I had this piece of artwork or I had something that uh, I saw and I had to emulate that. But that's pretty cool when you just combine them yourselves because they are unique colors. But it, it has a, a look to it that sort of a, a, a dated look. I mean, it goes really well with the furniture piece itself. Like it would have been maybe a hundred years ago or something in a, in a, uh, office or something. So yeah, it's really neat how you created that look. Yeah, it was a really um, interesting desk too. I've never really seen a secretary desk with that exact style. It was much wider than anyone I've ever worked with. And 
I've never seen one quite the same as that. So I was excited to be able to work on it. So same question for you. What was the hardest part of refinishing this piece? Um, I think it's a toss up between the amount of bleed through I had and trying to get the smooth finish on the inside with all the drawers and cubby holes mm-hmm. and without having, without being able to remove it. So Casey, if you would describe your style for us. Um, I don't know if I would say I have a specific style, but I know whenever I do a piece, I really like clean lines and just kind of freshness to it. Um, I don't like a lot of a lot going on. I like things a little bit more simple. Mm-hmm. I like to bring in more of the design with like staging and things like that and leave the furniture piece a little bit more simple. Well, superb job with your design decisions, uh, Casey. Beautiful work and congratulations. Share your Instagram account with our listeners. Um, yeah, it is magnoliamartin.designs. Great. Thanks so much. Well, Jen, you won third place and you refinished an old buffet. And I believe you mentioned in your post that this is your favorite refinished piece of all time. Is that true? Uh, it is. And it was also my easiest. Was it really? <laughs> <laughs> it just went so smoothly. I couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, well, give us the details. Maybe that's what made it my favorite. Oh that, oh, that it went smoothly? <laughs> there was no heartache <laughs> yes. or headaches about it, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I found the piece on Facebook Marketplace, and it was for sale with um, a matching hutch as well. I did pick up both of them. I haven't finished the hutch yet. But the minute I picked it up, I knew I had to keep it for myself. So it is in my dining room. Now, did you uh, have to strip it? Did you have to do any structural repairs to it? You said it's pretty simple, so it sounds like you didn't have to do much of that. I didn't. I didn't. I was. I was so happy about that. It was in beautiful, beautiful condition. Just, you know, cleaned and and prepped it and uh, put my favorite green color on it, and it uh, it was an easy project. Yeah, and I think that color was what was the color. It was uh, Tally Green. That's by, right. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you were spot on on that judge color, wasn't you? On the judge's color, that's cool. I was. Well, Casey and Ava, questions for Jen? I was curious how you got the legs on that to look so amazing. They are like um, so smooth and shiny, and I was just curious your process on that. Well, honestly, I used Restore Finish, the walnut Restore Finish on the legs, because, again, they were in such great condition, just maybe some minor scratches. So Restore Finish is just really amazing with pieces that don't have a lot of damage and just need refreshing. Um, So, yeah, that's what I used. It turned out great. Oh, thank you. Ava, do you have any questions for Jen? Actually, I had the same question because I was really admiring the legs together with this tally green. <laughs> have Have either of you used Restore Finish? I haven't. Yes, I have. Yeah, it's a little smelly, but it, it does such a great job. Does a good job. Now, does that take a long time to dry? Uh, it can. It can, but um, you know, not days. But yeah, yeah a little. It, it takes longer than paint would take to dry. 
And is it one of those things that you do one time and that's all you need, or does sometimes do sometimes you have to go back for a second coat? I've never had to do a second coat. I don't know uh, any of either of you had that experience. I've had to do a second coat once only because um, there was one leg I was working on that had some pretty good scratches on it. But what's nice about Restore Finish is if you use it um, with something a little more rough, it can actually kind of fill in those scratches. So exactly. once it sort of dried, I just realized I needed to go back and get it just a little bit more. So, Jen, I'm not going to ask you what the hardest part was because I don't <laughs> think you had one. <laughs> The hardest part was loading it into the truck. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I bet that was a heavy piece. Yeah, yeah, it was. But uh-huh. luckily I had my husband, and uh, he's my he's my muscle. So describe your style for us. Um, okay. Well, I, starting out two and a half years ago, I would say that I was definitely a farmhouse style, but I've really evolved since then because – I've seen so much inspiration out there and wanted to try all new things. I've evolved a little bit. Uh, I will say I lean still a little bit. I love working on antiques and I probably don't do as much MCM. I do very little of that. So still lean a little bit in that direction, but a little bit, you know, cleaner maybe. And, and I like to try new techniques all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's definitely evident from your feed. You, you, all three of you have just wonderful feeds that provide tons of inspiration. And I like what you said about you know how your style sort of evolved because of the inspiration that's out there. It, uh, it's really exciting because you know you can, you know, uh, you traveling down an avenue of what you like and your style, and then you see something out out there that you really like, and it uh, draws you into a sort of a new phase of refinishing, and that's what makes the refinishing uh, community so exciting. Well, how nice that one of your award-winning pieces is at your home with you to stay and enjoy for as long as you like. <laughs> yes, my whole family loves it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, congratulations, Jen. Great job. Share your Instagram account with our listeners. Okay, uh, my account is designs. Great, thanks so much. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor. Hi, it's Megan DeLong with Megdell Design, and this podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra Painting. Zebra paintbrushes are my absolute favorite and go-to because I can find one for every project that fits my needs, whether it's for my home or for furniture pieces. The specialty brushes just make it super easy to find one that fits whatever I'm working on. My go-to and my favorite brush by far is the fan brush, and that's because I can use it for round edges on a piece, but it also has really great coverage for the flat surfaces. And the little corner parts of the brush too work really well to get into those nooks and crannies. So I find it to be my all-in-one brush. I use it for paint and for top coats as well. So it's one of my go-tos and my favorites. We appreciate your kind words about our brushes, Megan. It's time for our zebra panel discussion. Refinishing involves a lot of work, and that work begins at the negotiating table, per se. If you can't get a piece at the right price, you can lose significant profits. For many, the question is, how do you negotiate the purchase price you are after? Um, and is there an art to negotiating, and are there tips that will help me negotiate more effectively? Panelists, you guys are on the cutting edge of refinishing, and everyone is eager to hear about your negotiating skills 
and challenges. So if you would give us your thoughts on this front end phase of refinishing. And you know, when it comes to negotiating, there's negotiating on both sides from buying to selling. So feel free to go where you desire. Go ahead, panel. Um, so for me, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are like this, but I'm not what I would say the best negotiator, to be honest. Um, when I find pieces I like, I really kind of look at them and come up with a number of like max what I would pay for it and then sort of go from there. So if I'm buying something from somebody um, like on Marketplace or something like that at like a garage store or garage sale, I would just um, look at it and say, okay, I, I would not pay more than this amount of dollars for it, mostly because either I don't think it's worth that much, the amount of time it's going to take to fix it, you know, how much money I'm going to have to put into it to get it to where I need to be. And then um, I personally go in and usually offer about $50 less than my um, max amount. And then I feel like that leaves people a good wiggle room to kind of negotiate back. And then we can come up with a number we both like. Yeah, that's a good, good way to look at it. Um, and exactly what Casey said. I also... Um, wouldn't consider myself much of a negotiator, but um, if I love something, I'll save it and, and watch for maybe the price to drop. If I feel like the price is too high, I, we, we have to have room for, for profit. So either I'll reach out and just ask or wait to see if it drops. And uh, usually, you know, I will, I, if, if I find something though, that is a fair price, I don't try to negotiate it. I just, snag it right away so do i i do the same if it's something i really really like i know that there will be other people liking it too so then i'm really <laughs> in a hurry to get it uh but also if, if you find on on facebook marketplace that something is sitting a long time with a seller uh, i try to offer a lower price and usually mm -hmm. people want to get rid of the piece so i do the same thing i go and save right. things watch it and then see how long they mm -hmm. sit. So you're right. If something's been sitting on there for a couple of weeks at that price, um, I do the same thing. I like to go in and just offer less or kind of, you know, what I feel like would be a fair price for it and then see what they say. Right. And I also in situations when I'm at the, the place and, and looking at the piece at a seller, if I get the feeling that the seller is keen to get rid of it and I feel the price is high, I look for faults. I look for defects or, or, or damages and sort of, you know, tell them that there is like a hardware missing or a drawer bottom is broken. And, and usually it's, it's easy to, <laughs> to negotiate the price. And when you, you point those things out. <laughs> right. I, I actually just did that for the first time the other day. I usually don't do that, but sometimes you get there and it's not exactly how they described it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, you know, when, early on when I started doing this, I was too shy. I wouldn't do that. I would just, if I showed up, I would just tape. <laughs> <laughs> the price and I would take it, but I've learned. And I, I did that for the first time the other day. Um, and they said they had originally, um, when I had asked before coming, they said no. But when I arrived, uh, it wasn't exactly as described. So they did agree to lower the price. Oh, that's good. Now, I think that sometimes sellers do not really know uh, the condition of the piece. If they are not into refinishing themselves, they, they might not even be aware of, of damages that we see exactly uh, i think it's okay to at least i mean try to point that out because it takes time and 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 also money to to restore those things and get new hardware and everything so it usually works if you really want to negotiate on the price 
that way. Yeah, I've never found anybody that's been like offended or any. I mean, as long as you go in with a fair price, I've never found sellers Mm -hmm. to be offended by offering less because you're right. Most of them don't really know and they don't know, you know, is Mm -hmm. that an easy fix and hard fix? I don't know what to do with it. I just need somebody to come get it kind of situation. And so I think, yeah, the same thing, just kind of offering a good price on it and then um, seeing how they feel with that usually works out pretty well. Do you guys get um, a lot of people, I have found since I've been doing this, I have a lot of people that just give me pieces. They'll call me or email me and say, I have this aunt who wants to get rid of this piece and I think you could do a great Mm -hmm. job with it. And would you like it if you come get it kind of thing? That's, that's how actually I ended up with my winning piece. Um, A neighbor, yeah, a neighbor called me and said my, I think it was her grandma had it and said, you know, she doesn't want it anymore. And will you please just come get it and you can have it kind of situation. Oh, I love that. I I love when that happens. Yeah, I've picked up some really great pieces um, from friends of friends who know what I do and just reach out on my Facebook or my Instagram. And that is a really great way to find some good pieces. I have a question. So when you're talking negotiation and you, you know, you see a piece on Facebook marketplace or some other online venue and you make an offer and then you go to pick it up, Jen, as you were just talking about, and you show up Mm -hmm. and you see issues. Do you guys normally say, listen, I'm a furniture finisher and you know, I'm buying this piece to refinish it and I'm seeing a lot of work. I'm actually seeing a lot more work than I originally thought. So I, I couldn't give you more than this amount. Is that kind of how you approach it as far as the words you use and the process of getting them to come down on their price? I do sometimes. I can sometimes feel out the seller if they seem emotionally attached to the piece. I try not to do that, especially if it was in their family. Um, and sometimes this... I don't know. I don't know how people feel about me saying this, but sometimes I don't even tell them I'm going to paint it because it was grandma's. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some people don't don't react well to that. Um, So I I try to be careful to tell them how damaged it is unless I unless I can tell that it's something they want to get rid of. Mm. I'm the same, Jen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't always tell <laughs> what I do for a living. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of what I do though. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you said was, is key. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with just when you go and trying to uh, maybe get an idea of that person and uh, their attachment to the piece. Um, mm-hmm. Is this just a piece that they've had for a while, but they have no emotional attachment to it. I guess, you know, it really depends on, on that circumstance based on what you say and how you go about it. Casey, are you the same way with that? Um, not, you know, honestly, I, uh, I'm too shy to do that in person, to be honest. I'm the worst with negotiating. And so I try not to even like, I stick to a number that I am perfectly fine with, whether it's falling apart or not. And, if I get there and it's got more damage to it, I don't usually say anything because I'm not too concerned about how much I'm paying for it already. Just because I'm am shy and I, I'm not good at that. Um, I've been lucky enough to actually show up to pick up furniture and the seller has said, oh, I didn't realize this was so damaged. I'll knock money off for you. Uh, but I've personally never done that just because I'm too shy to do that. 
Uh, but that's why I like to just stick with that number and say, like, you know, as long as it's not literally a pile of ash when I get there, I'm perfectly fine with paying, you know, $50 for that, regardless of what kind of situation it is. And I usually just pick it up and go. Oh, yeah. Certainly there are pieces that are worth it at that price point, no matter what. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, it's tough with refinishing, isn't it? I mean, if you think about all of the different facets of refinishing, I mean, you're having to really stretch yourself. I mean, even if you like are really, you really thrive at one aspect of it, there's uh, so many other aspects that can be completely different from what you thrive at. So you're having to learn to be able to do things that you're not necessarily comfortable doing And negotiation. Sounds like one of them. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm definitely I've I've learned to stand my ground a little bit more just getting older in general, but negotiations just kind of it's a little more difficult for me who likes to kind of be a people pleaser, I have found. Yeah, so it sounds like then the, the main fear of negotiation is just insulting somebody. I would say so, yeah. Not wanting to insult somebody. Um and it gets a little awkward too when you're standing there face to face and somebody wants to show up and be like Oh, I know you're selling it for four hundred dollars, but you want to take a hundred? Well, not really. <laughs> I know you drove all the way out here, but I did put a lot of work into this. And yeah, yes, yes. Have you guys? Casey, ever- I'm with you. I, I, I'm sorry. I I have been just like you, so shy. And as I've gotten older, I've kind of gotten over that, especially when it comes to business. Um. But yes, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I in my younger years, was I, I wouldn't speak up for myself um, when it came to negotiations. So um, I get that. And when you're saying what you're talking about with um, someone showing up and offer you offering you much less than you're asking on your piece, I have gotten really good about. I have no problem negotiating with someone possibly when they are corresponding with me. But if they agree to show up and and say they want it and then try to negotiate, I'm pretty firm about saying no at that point. So that's kind of how I handle that negotiation on my side when I'm selling. I feel like I need to get better at that as well. Because, um, yeah, I, I don't mind negotiating on communicating through emails and stuff like that. But when they show up and then mm-hmm. decide to offer even less... Um, it it's you get kind of put in that awkward situation, at least for me, just standing there with that. Um, but when I'm selling a yeah. piece, I kind of do the same thing as when I'm buying a piece. I have a number in my head that says, you know, I won't let this piece go for less than this. And then I usually list it for higher, you know, along the lines of if I get that much, great. Uh, if somebody negotiates down, that's fine because I'll be happy with this number situation. And then that right. way, you know, I don't feel quite as awkward with negotiating, but the face to face gets a little hard for me sometimes. You know, that was like a light bulb moment for me when you, when you started talking about negotiating, have negotiate with people when they come to, to uh, purchase one of your pieces. It didn't really dawn on me that maybe that's probably why it's hard for a lot of refinishers to negotiate on the front end and buying a piece to refinish because they know what it's like when somebody comes and you put all that work into it and you're trying to, you know, lowball the price, you know? I mean, it's like, I, I get that. So, I mean, I don't know yeah. uh, if you guys, I guess you would agree with that because that's kind of what you conveyed, but I just was sort of light bulb was kind of dinging off and on when you said that because that made sense. 
But you get better with time, I think. Uh, I used to be the same as Casey uh, when I started out, uh, but now I'm I'm pretty uh, firm with not uh, negotiating my price unless it's a repeat customer coming back. I mean, sometimes I lower the price a little bit, but otherwise I, I just say no and hope there will be other people coming <laughs> along <laughs> to buy it. Do you know what I find, though? If someone has driven all the way over and they're standing there, I often find they're willing to pay the price that you listed. Yes. yes. Well, some people try to negotiate, but I think they, they have already made up their mind. They will bring it home regardless. If, exactly. if you don't know where they, Yeah. What is so beneficial to hear refinishers have conversations together on what works for them and what does not? <laughs> Thank you all for taking the time to share your insights and negotiating. Again, congratulations, Ava, Casey, and Jen. You all did an amazing job with these pieces. Thanks for inspiring us. Thank you, Lane. Thank you for having us on. Thank you, Lane. Thank you for having us. Well, enjoy the rest of your refinishing day. Uh, I know that's a little bit harder for Ava because she's later in the evening. So, Ava, hopefully you can go get a good night's rest. I will. (laughs) (laughs) Casey and Jen, there's a few more hours left of the day, isn't there? There are. Back to work. All right. Y'all take care. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thank Thank you. You too. Today's refinishing tip comes from Jeannie with Blush Vintage. Hi, this is Jeannie at Blush Vintage Design, and I wanted to share a furniture refinishing tip with you. For taking your stained finishes to the next level, try using de-wax shellac. So that's shellac without any wax added to it, so it won't cause any adhesion issues. After you've stained your piece, put on one to two coats of the de-wax shellac and sand with a 220 sanding pad before then finishing with your regular water-based top coats. What this does is prevent any grain raise because shellac is alcohol-based and it will give you a nice smooth finish, fill the pour a little bit, and give you a glass-like feel when it's all done. Thank you, Jeannie. Great instructions to provide those smooth, glassy finishes. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, this is Laura from Redeem Heartwood. This week, I'm going to be working on two dressers. The first one, I'm going to be customizing it for a client in Philadelphia. It's a big nine-drawer dresser so it's going to require a lot of prepping. The second dresser is for my son's nursery. It's a woodland themed uh, nursery and I'm going to be painting it a muted green with gray undertones uh, from Fusion uh, called Eucalyptus and I'm going to leave some exposed wood on the drawer fronts. Hi, it's Nicole from 3rd and 5th Furniture Co. This week in my studio, I'm going to be working on a vintage set of Thomasville side tables. At one point in their life, somebody spray painted them brown, and they look as if they probably could go to the dump. But I definitely see potential, so I'm going to strip, sand, bleach, and restore them to a natural wood finish. Follow along if you'd love to see the progress. Hello, this is Angie from A Nurtured Nest. I am located in Minnesota, and I live in a suburb about 40 minutes northwest of the Twin Cities. Spring weather has finally reached our area, so this week I plan to work with my garage, workshop doors wide open, 
letting in all kinds of warm fresh air and natural light. I am currently working on creating a unique bench made from salvaged materials. I have already reworked portions of two entertainment center towers and attached them to one another to form the bench frame. I built a new base for the bench and I cut down salvaged planks with tons of patina to line the back of the bench. I plan to use my zebra round brush to apply crisp white paint, add statement black casters, and a fun herringbone pattern on the top. Feel free to check out my A Nurtured Nest Instagram and Facebook page for sneak peeks of this one-of-a-kind bench. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. Welcome to the Beginner's Bucket, a new segment this season that gives new refinishers an opportunity to ask questions from their more experienced refinishing friends. If you have a question that you would like answered, just send me an email at laneball at enjoyzebra.com and we'll ask an experienced refinisher and play the answer here on the podcast. This week's question comes from one of several questions that refinishers asked over the years and the question is, how many pieces should you have on hand when refinishing as a business? Walesa with a Life Refurbished answers the question. Good morning to all my Zebra family. This is Walesa from Alive Refurbish. And today I'm answering the question of how many pieces would I try to have on hand when refinishing as a business? And it really depends if you're starting on a part-time basis rather than a full-time basis. If you're starting on a part-time basis, I would think about it this way. Well, maybe I can tackle one piece in the next two weeks. So I'm going to have two pieces so that I have something to work on for the next month. And I would say that the same principle applies if you are going on it for on a full-time basis. Try to keep enough inventory so that you have something going on for the next month. I would think it's important to be strategic about the pieces that you're purchasing. Think about your market. Think about what they like. For example, I'm a big antique lover and farmhouse is just not a hot seller style here in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. So I have to think about my market. And for that reason, you're going to see me purchasing things that are more art deco, mid-century modern, because that's what my market is asking and looking for. Think about items that are functional. For example, dressers, nightstands, they're always hot sellers. So I would say be strategic about not just the amount, but what kind of pieces you are adding to your inventory. And with these, I'm not trying to say that you need to stay away from that style that you gravitate towards. What I'm saying is that sometimes that flexibility, the flowing between one style and the other is going to allow you to make a profit while you continue to work on what you love. Let me give you an example. I will refinish a beautiful antique that fills my soul one week, but I know that that piece is going to sit here for a few weeks and I need to be okay with that. Yet, I still need to find that consistency in the profit 
and the income that I have coming in. And because of that, I will alternate and the following week I will work on a mid-century modern piece that I know that has a higher profit and the income is pretty much guaranteed within a couple of days. And those are my tips for you. I hope that you guys found them helpful and thank you, Sira, for having me. Thanks, Walesa, for providing such great guidance on this question. Accolades is defined as an acknowledgement of merit. Welcome to our new segment on the podcast called, well, Accolades. We wanted to give refinishers the opportunity to give accolades to their fellow refinishers that they admire for their extraordinary refinishing skills and hard work. This week's accolades are given by Aaron with Refurbished Dish. Hi, this is Gina from Jaylee Refinishings. I want to give accolades to Taylor On from New Iterations, an amazing refinisher. I come across so many challenges as I work on a furniture. She's not only an incredible craftsman and artist, she's a teacher who willingly shares her skills and details, inspiring me and I'm sure many others to improve and tackle new challenges. Her furniture staging is also beautiful and she captures them really well with her photographing skills. I have learned so much from her and I'm so glad I found her account. Go check her out and you won't be disappointed. Thanks, Erin, and accolades, Kelly. During the month of April, we were singing the blues with the rain that comes, and it's only fitting that our theme for the Zebra Review for May is April Showers Bring May Flowers. You have tons of creative liberties with this theme from incorporating hand-painted flowers to stencils and transfers. You can showcase flowers on the outside and or in your drawers. Tag your flower pieces that were refinished from May 1st through May 31st, 2022 with the Zebra Review. Our fire judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jen of Perfectly Imperfect Furniture RES, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwatina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include Fusion Mineral Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paint Brushes. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing. 